Hi, I am George Washington, the first president of the United States of America, and I am happy to have my birthday be today. Thank you, America. <laughs> Washington, what good have you done? I'm just really curious. Well, I'm quite the humble guy, but I have become president and I turned down becoming king. I helped the men in the Civil War. I did a lot of good. Uh, but didn't you like- Wasn't home? that the Revolutionary War? The Revolutionary War. <laughs> I have so many accomplishments, I forget what I've done. Didn't you like own slaves though, homeboy? Not really. I mean, kind of, but not really. All you kind much. of, but not really own well, slaves? Well, they weren't my slaves. They're my okay. father-in-law's slaves. But like, did you like free them or anything? Because I feel like you used slaves while you were alive. I so. freed them in my will. Oh, so after you died. Is that all you're worried about? I did all these amazing things. Helped found America. Yeah, I'm pretty much only worried about the slavery part. So if you could just clean that up really quick. Nothing I can do. You are small-minded. Nothing I can do, George Washington. You suck. Thank you. <laughs> Happy birthday, I guess. <laughs> Happy birthday to me, baby. What's good? G-Dub. Wow, and scene. Welcome to Will and Amala Live. Thank you all so much for watching. Uh, it is it is one Mr. Washington's birthday today. It is. Or so we celebrate. It is George Washington's yes. birthday. Uh, Not just President's Day. It's George Washington's birthday today. That is true, which I was surprised. I went on Google this morning to look up for a hair appointment, and it said Washington's birthday may affect these hours, which I was surprised that Google acknowledged Washington's go birthday. Yeah. It's pretty good. Pretty good guy. <laughs> Your guys the go-to. Guys, welcome in. We hope you guys are having a fantastic Monday. We got a lot of stories to get to, many of them surrounding Ottawa and everything that's happening there right now. As we all know, the police are cracking down on the protests. They are towing trucks and even selling uh, people's property up in Canada. We have a plea from actress Evangeline Lilly talking about how she feels about the Freedom Convoy and stepping into the conversation maybe a little bit too late, but <laughs> we've got a video from her. Plus, Boris Johnson has lifted all COVID-19 restrictions in the UK. Sort of a weird juxtaposition with what's happening in Ottawa right now. Also, it's President's Day, so we're going to go over that a little bit. We have a political article talking about how it's time to cancel President's Day. Are they saying what we think they're saying? We will find out. Plus, what do historical figures look like when put through an AI database uh, and turned out as real people in today's day and age? Plus, we're going to do a Barstool Sports Little Debbie Showdown. <laughs> And it's Monday, so we're doing Dear Will and Amelie. You guys submitted your advice questions to my Instagram at the Amelie at the Will Wit at Taylor Trandall. You can follow us all on there, and you'll be featured on the show with your questions. So we'll get there. First, let's start off with what's happening in Ottawa. It seems as though the crackdown is not only a going to affect the protesters on the streets of Ottawa, but now it's affecting the local businesses who choose to service the people who are protesting. Here is a video of uh, local Ottawa police at a coffee shop. Seems like the owners are trying to keep them at bay. We'll pause here. You guys can check out this video. It's on Ian Miles Chong's Twitter. Uh, he writes, uh, Ottawa police are now going after local business owners who served the, the truck drivers, like this coffee shop that served, them co that served coffee to them, thanks to tips by local residents. They are forcing them to close. So not only will you not be in our streets with your trucks, not only will you be forced to get vaccinated, not only will we freeze your bank accounts, but we will also stop local businesses from being able to sell you coffee during this time. Yeah. And the two people, the two owners of the coffee shop, they're standing against this too. Yep. They're telling them that they're not going to stand for what the police want to do. There's their pictures if you guys want to see them. Yeah. And I think it has their names too. Does it have their names on there? Uh, Deborah Cohn and uh, this is called the Iconic Cafe. Enrico and Deborah Kuhn. Got it. If there's a way to, to look them up and find a way to donate to them, we should put it on the show tomorrow or something like that yes. so people can support them. Because what they're doing is admirable. You know, and this isn't just this business. This is happening to other businesses around there. Yep. I'm going to take this stupid hat off. <laughs> <laughs> it's, not, it's not working for you anymore? No, it just looks stupid <laughs> with these headphones. It makes me very uncomfortable. Uh, it looks great. It's a look. It does. It Do it is for a look. Washington. It is a look. Bring no, I, know, I understand it's a look. We're bringing back but, trends these days. Yes. No, the powdered wigs is really a, a yeah. trend that I'm going for. Yeah. 
Um, but yeah, it's it's so crazy the the levels of, of government overreach that we are reaching in these times, and they truly have to go through every single avenue that they can to deter people from from protesting here. And it's interesting. Taylor and I were having a conversation about you know. Is it ethical to block roads during a protest? And I can't think of what else somebody would be able to do. They kind of have to make the the government feel the discomfort that these people are going through. And these people are leaving their jobs in order to do so uh, and and staying out in the cold in order to just send a message to the, the government here. And the government has cleared from what I've read a lot of the trucks, if not most of them, from the streets. And they've even uh, stipulated that they will be selling people's properties uh, and people's cars and things from the street. To yeah, pay for the damage that they inflicted. To pay on for the Ottawa. damage yeah. of like, like what? And that's so funny. What damages? Yeah, of course, it's ethical to protest and do that. There shouldn't be any doubt. If your government is taking advantage of you and oppressing you, mm-hmm. and your only course of action is to to do this to, right. to protest against what they're doing, then of course it's a totally valid valid mm-hmm. response. I mean, when yep. you see tyranny happening, you you have a response to respond to that tyranny. So by doing so, I, I think it's completely ethical, completely justified, and I think that the government overreach has just gotten to a place where, you know, why, why? I'm seeing tweets of people talking about what's happening, and they'll be like, oh, Putin just, you know, froze the bank accounts of his citizens. Putin just just uh, closed down businesses. Putin moved all these people out of the way, and it's like, oh, wait, no, that's not Putin. That's Justin Trudeau. Right. It's like the people who were so worried about about what's going to happen over in Eastern Europe and so worried about that. But really, no world leader is calling out what what is happening in Canada. They're not calling out the, the blatant tyranny that's happening there. Yeah. They don't care at all. That honestly would be a fantastic social experiment to have mainstream media report on it as if all of this stuff is happening uh, in Ukraine under under Russian leadership and then see how people react to it. And then you switch out the word and go, actually... Be a good man on the street video yeah, for me to go and ask You people. really should. And then actually go... This is what Justin Trudeau is doing in Canada. How do you feel about it now? And I bet the narrative will switch like a, like a dime. Of course. Immediately. But you have to make people understand that. If they think that it's bad in one case, but not bad in another, that's not how morality is supposed to work. There's mm-hmm. not there's not one place where the ends justify the means and then another place where it isn't. Yep. You have but, to be consistent across the board. Yeah, and that was part of our blocking the streets pr- protesting conversation mm-hmm. is like, you know, were you okay with it when Black Lives Matter did it, but suddenly you're not okay when these truckers are doing it for their freedom? Well, of course, because they're two different things. The yeah. Black Lives Matter protesters aren't doing it for anything admirable or noble. They're, they're protesting based on lies. If you're protesting based on lies and you are blocking people from being able to live their lives, then yes, there is something wrong with that. If you are doing something because your government is taking advantage of you and you are protesting that and it's about the truth, then yes, you are totally justified. I mean, so but, the action is different based on what you are protesting. Sure, but both are forms of civil disobedience and, and where, where others would sit and look at the Ottawa truckers and say, well, they're lying uh, from the things that I've heard and which would deviate from the national narrative. So, I mean, both are forms of nonviolent civil disobedience. So I think in both cases, it's like if that's the statement you want to make. No, That's I, don't, a statement yeah, you want to make. I don't think it's okay what the Black Lives Matter protesters did. Well, I, we're, it's because they're I mean, it's legally OK in some ways, but not really. They're burning not, down buildings. Yeah, they're killing people. People have been assaulted and killed. Well, yeah, we're not talking about the, We're not talking stuff. about the rioting. We're talking about the act of 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 blocking streets, which is something that has been pretty uh, standard for civil discourse. I mean, for a civil disobedience throughout i don't know the the ages that we've 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 done this uh you saw it in the civil rights movement they went and blocked streets in order to do this black lives matter blocked streets before uh protests became riots we're seeing it in ottawa they're blocking streets it seems to be a standard to get people to see your message to do that um and yeah i i think it's a form of civil disobedience it's a form of making people uncomfortable to where you know you've you've uh, created discomfort in our daily lives and usurped our freedom when we were going to do the same to you until something happens here. Uh, and it seems like the Canadian government is not giving up. They're going to continue to force even harder and harder. And again, we talked about this on the show last week. What happens if this gets disbanded and they don't win? Uh, they're going to seek out every single person who was involved in this. And now they will be able to do so through their financial uh, their financial transactions. So I, I imagine it's going to be a giant witch hunt. Yeah. Yep. Let's go to the videos of the police. I want to talk about the Yes. Of the police. Here's go a guy trying place. to get coffee in Ottawa and the Ottawa police response to that man. Now, I just want to get a coffee, okay? Why Can is I the get camera in my face right now? What's Are you here partaking? You right now you're me. in the red zone? I'm scared. I want to go for a coffee down there. Okay. Can I, can you, I go for a coffee? Where's still being arrested Pardon? right Do you now? live in this? You're no, not excluded here, from that. But I, I'm Alberta. Time for you to leave. 
I can't even go down there for no, coffee. No, go grab yourself in the red zone right now. If you don't leave right now, you will be arrested. Do you understand me? I can't go for a coffee. Grab yourself because if we see you, we'll be patrolling all day. If we see you again, it'll be different. Leave. We are you. Take your camera and get out of here. Do you understand that? Walk away. Your phone doesn't need to be in our face when you're walking away. Go. Are you going to walk or are you going to get arrested? I was walking away. Get out of here. Oh my goodness. Hope you can go to sleep at night. Wow. Many of these of these Canadian police officers are proud of what they're doing. I don't know if you guys saw this weekend, but police messages were leaked of the did you guys see this? Mm -mm. Of the conversations between police officers where one of them has like a beer and he's like, "Yeah, another successful day." And they're going through uh what's it called? Tactics on how to oppress these people and they're laughing about what they've done. These are police officers in Canada. These people are proud of what they're doing. Okay, play, you should play the other video. Here's one more. Play this one too. Replacing in a confrontation of some sort. Oh my gosh. I don't even like watching that. Uh, for those of you who can't see and uh, who are listening on Spotify or Apple Podcasts, whatever, uh, these uh, two... The police officer and a young man are in a confrontation. He pushes them against a few metal bars and puts his hand around his neck. And then about three other police officers jump in and start attacking this guy all at once. Right. This lone man. They jumped him. Yep. I just like to remind everyone in World War II, okay, what's very important is that the people who hid Anne Frank and the people who went and hid the Jews were breaking the law. And the people, the Germans and the Nazis who were going and hunting Jews and taking them to concentration camps and kicking them out of their homes and finding them, those people were abiding by the law. Okay? There's something important there. That these people who you're seeing, just because they are following what the law is supposed to do, does not make it in any way morally justified. And I understand we talk a lot about the police and backing the blue and this kind of stuff, but, but if the police are enforcing unconstitutional mandates they are enforcing things that are evil then you cannot back the blue you cannot support the police officers if the police officers are doing this and this is in any situation this is in america too if you have american police officers that are doing things that are stupid and doing things that are wrong then you cannot support the police and what they're doing either okay if they're yeah keep going i'll, yeah. I'll get to i'll hop on right it's the same the, these people if they are committing evil you cannot support what they're doing and just because they are abiding by the law or doing what is supposedly right does not mean you support these people we saw the protests in the netherlands a couple of weeks ago where they're sending dogs to go and and bite people's arms off who are just mm -hmm. out there protesting for their rights to be given back right you don't support these types of police officers and you don't support the rule of law if the rule of law is indiscriminately discriminating against your freedom yeah, I've seen a lot of leftists on Twitter and all these social media platforms being like, ha ha, look at the conservatives suddenly calling out police officers. They're not black backing the blue anymore. And it's just such a, a a baseless argument to make because the reason we we back the blue here is because by and large, U.S. police officers do their job and they do their job well. And then we get these horrible videos of, of people dying in altercations with police officers or encounters that are completely misconstrued and, and based out of context. And those videos should be cleared up and those people should be defended if they're doing something that involves uh, immense stress in a short period of time. There's other videos of police officers where they're in altercations where they're clearly in the wrong and and. I've watched those videos, called out those people just the same. You, We say back the blue here because by and large, American police officers do their job and they do their job well and they do their job valiantly. That doesn't mean that you just turn a blind eye to when police officers don't do their job well. In fact, police officers who don't do their job well are the worst, uh, the worst thing you can have for a movement like that and a message like that. So it's very clear the police officers in Ottawa are doing something that is wrong. We've seen people get trampled by horses. We've seen this guy get beat up. We see a guy who's trying to get coffee get turned away and nearly arrested. And for what? <laughs> for for what offense? There, There's no merit. There was no, there's no foundation for any reason why that man should have been arrested. And it goes to show that when you have division in a country like this, and suddenly you have a group of people who have been given this immense amount of power, a lot of people grip onto that and they hold it for everything that it that it's capable of. And that means 
means beating people in the street. That means arresting people for no reason. That means turning people away from being able to go buy coffee when they're just walking down the street. And you see that on large scales, like the police officers here in Canada. And then you see it on small scales, like here in the U.S., where you, you suddenly have a bouncer at a bar who gets to check people's vax passes and, and see whether or not they're vaccinated. And suddenly that holds so much power to these people. Uh, it, it's truly just an amazing study in the human condition and what power can do to somebody. Yeah. And it's it's you mentioned in there that you said, you know, police officers doing their job poorly. But I would argue that these officers aren't doing their jobs poorly because this is what they have been told to do. So they are doing their jobs to what they are supposed to do. Right. They're doing mm. what is right, according to their government. The, Protect the police, and serve is not happening, though. Yeah, The police are the, the, they're meant to the, the government makes an order. They make an order and then the police enforce that order. I mean, that's what the police do. So if the government comes out and has an unconstitutional order or puts an order out that is evil and the police enforce it, then the police are the purveyors of evil because that is what they're doing. Even though they're doing their job how they're supposed to, that does not mean that it is good. And so that's the same thing. And this goes with anything. This goes with all sorts of people who are just doing what they're told, doing their job. This is the most common thing you hear is that people are just doing their job. Oh, you know, I, I did a... Uh, uh, Dr. Fauci is just doing his job, all these people. You go back again to the 1930s, almost every single medical institution and major doctor in Germany sided with the Third Reich. These people were just doing their jobs. They were just, these were the experts. These are the people who you're supposed to believe. Just because these things are legally mandated doesn't mean that it's good and doesn't mean that you should show these people any sort of respect. Yeah, I want to show this video of a Canadian actress by the name of Evangeline Lilly coming out and talking about the, the Freedom Convoy, and uh, we'll react to this and see how we feel about this message. Canadians, even those who you disagree with, treating them with prejudice, suspicion, and illegal repression is not care. Protesting something that deeply, deeply concerns you in our society is not terrorism. It is the civic duty of every Canadian. It is our job as the people to hold our leadership accountable if they are infringing on our inalienable rights, if we suspect that they have become corrupted or compromised in any way, or simply if we think they're wrong in monumental decisions they are making on behalf of their people. But you are treating my brothers and sisters, your constituents, like terrorists without ever speaking to their leadership. There are no riots. This is not a violent protest. There is only a mass of deeply concerned citizens at your doorstep who you refuse to acknowledge for what they are, your people. To everybody listening, everybody, people who disagree with the mandates and people who agree with them, if you think that the person on the other side of this divide is your enemy, please take time to get to know them. Listen with an open heart to what they're really saying. And remember that we're all humans who get scared and feel pain. And most of us are just trying our best to build the brightest future for the next generation and the happiest, most fulfilling, most peaceful and healthy today. Don't let the press brainwash you into division and hatred. The antidote to prejudice is knowledge. Because of the algorithmic way your Google searches are filled, it can be very hard to find good information on the other side. Ask someone you know. If you could share five things with me that would explain your point of view, what would they be? I want to listen to them. This is what I do, and it has kept me sane through all of this insanity. Listening is the only way out of the ideological mess the media has broiled us all into. May cooler, wiser, more loving heads prevail right now. The future of uh, So yeah, that's her, her message to people. And I, I thought this was good. I thought it was pretty much all-encompassing. And uh, she points out in the beginning uh, a very deceitful agenda, and that is the agenda to label people who are involved in this fight, particularly in Ottawa, as terrorists. And it's something that continues to come up, that word terrorist, terrorist, terrorist. We saw it here in the States where we had parents showing up to their school boards complaining about critical race theory and the DOJ labeled them terrorists. We just read uh, read the National Terrorist uh, Bulletin from the Department of Homeland Security labeling people online who spread false or misinformation or misleading information even as terrorists uh, under the United States uh, federal government. And now we have the same being said in Canada that people who are peacefully protesting and trying hard to maintain that peace, whether it be for a matter of optics or simply because they are peaceful people, I tend to believe the latter, uh, 
they're being labeled as terrorists as well. Do you see the common threads that are being sewn here? And and she's right. I think most people have good intentions. I don't think that can be said for the elites in in uh, Ottawa and in Canada who continue to push this false narrative. Uh, and when other countries are doing the exact opposite and having fantastic results. Yeah, I thought the first half was very good talking about the, the protesters, <laughs> and I thought she got way too hippie at the end. Oh, like, very hippie. Come on, I did not like the. Come ending, on, really a message of talking, empathy and love, Will. No, nah, because if you if you don't, it, you know, she's saying, oh, the person on the other side might just be, you know, go ask them what they think. If a police officer is beating in my head or a tr- horse <laughs> okay. is trampling me, that's not someone who uh, I am going to give the time of day to. I don't think that's what she's asking you to do but those are the people on the other side i think she's talking about the common people on the other side like the people in ottawa who look at the freedom convoy and go i don't agree with that i think that's who she's asking you to have a conversation with by and large right but those aren't the people who are oppressing people (laughs) you know the people who are oppressing people are your enemy they are your enemy that we have enemies if you don't call out your enemies and say these are my enemies then you're on a losing side you're on a losing battle there is no, uh, you don't find common ground with a guy who just stomped your head in with a, with a horse. My issue is that the enemies are empowered by the people who are apathetic or by the people who sit at home and go, mm-hmm. I don't agree with that. Those are the people that you need to talk to because those are the people who empower the Trudeaus and the police officers and who, who get these mandates put in place. So if that is what she's talking about, then I completely support the message of having empathy and love and asking people, you know, why do you believe what you believe? And also they're not terrorists. Like, look at the evidence here and don't believe, like she says, don't believe the media who's pushing this completely utterly false and divisive narrative towards us. Yeah, it's just so it's, you know, she talks about listening and how we need to listen more. And I think that's definitely true. But the, the right can't just listen. We can't just listen to what the left is doing. Two years, two years of this pandemic, listening to people versus the last two, three weeks of this trucker convoy, what has done more good? The trucker convoy changed the world forever because they did action and they said, screw you leftists. We're going to do what we want to do. We know what is right versus, oh, I'm going to listen to these people. You don't listen to tyrants. No, I mean, action. I think action has to be paired with conversation. Uh, most definitely. I think this Freedom Convoy has inspired people to start having those conversations. And now there's a bunch of people out on the street that you can go and directly talk to and have those conversations. Unfortunately, people aren't doing it. Uh, and that and that's the, the hard part here. But by and large, for short-term effective change, yes, organize, be active. It's what the Freedom Convoy has done. It's what, it's what they've done quite successfully, although who knows if it's going to be disbanded in the coming days. It seems like that is the goal of the Canadian government. Uh, but for long-term success, her message is is clear and i think her message is good and also the left doesn't debate the left doesn't debate the right will debate the right will open things up to debate and say people can come and debate the left does not debate i want to push back i still actually want to talk about something that i did uh this this past saturday uh i had a speaking engagement set up and the speaking engagement was with young young people it was juniors and sophomores and juniors of local high schools here in los angeles and i was warned before going and doing the speaking engagement by the guy that i set it up with and he said you know what these kids don't want to have conversations. They believe what they believe. They believe a lot of it in in blind faith, and some of them aren't going to come to the table. In fact, we've never had a speaker where the kids are, were open open to uh, you know openly comment to the speaker and ask them questions, uh, whether it's because they're shy or they just completely disagree with them. We've never had a student do that. And I thought, okay. Well, then I, I've achieved, I've set my goal for this speaking engagement, and it's to get one of the students to comment while I'm speaking and ask a question. So I show up, and uh, it's over Zoom because LA and COVID and all this stuff, and it's about maybe 40, 50 students show up to this call. And he had already gotten messages saying, why do we have to have a conservative speaker? I don't want to do this. Why do I have to show up for this? I can't believe you would allow somebody with such bias to be on here. And I start speaking to these kids and telling them my story. And you go, you know, I want to preface this speech by saying, if you have a question or a criticism or you want to call me a name or anything during the speech at all, put it in the comments and do it openly and let's have a discussion. And I spoke to them in, I think, the most empathetic way I could possible. And immediately, like five minutes in, a comment pops up. I answered that comment another five minutes, another one. And these were critical comments saying, are you saying you don't believe in systemic racism? I looked up your TikToks and I saw what you said about transgender people. How could you say something like that? You know, uh, kids coming forward and saying that. And it's because we are not 
willing to have the discussions and we are not viewing people as other people, that people don't come to the table and have the discussions. And as soon as you do that and open the gate and say, whatever way you're feeling right now, be it positive or negative, put it down and have this discussion with me. People really do do that. And I think it's when we characterize people as not wanting to have a discussion that we truly hurt ourselves in the true fight that we're having here. I wish that were true, but it's just it not is true. true. No, listen, <laughs> it's true. Go. How many, how many left-wing events have been mm -hmm. destroyed by conservative protesters? Doesn't happen. Mm -hmm. How many conservative events have been destroyed by leftist protesters who won't debate? Sure. It's, I mean, it's, it's a statistical anomaly on the other side. The left doesn't come to debate. The left comes to destroy. The only thing the left knows how to do is destroy. Oh, come left on, destroy. man. Just like Dennis says. This is straight out of Dennis's mouth. All the left knows how to do is destroy. This is what they do. No, they shut it's down so debate. That's what communists I just, do. I just really don't think. I mean, even the even the event that I went to that I got protested at, I went and spoke to them, and I at least got some of them to actually come into the event, which is unheard of. I think it's just a of course, failure. It's unheard of. It's a failure in approach. It's unheard of because of the failure in our approach to have these discussions. No, but conservatives I are always believe. open to the discussions. I'm always open. You're always open. You say come mm -hmm. and come and come, and they happen right. when I do that. And I say do it, and they don't come. And people at Dennis's speeches don't come. And people at protesting Matt Walsh, hundreds of them, they don't come into the event. You know, the left does not debate like the right debates. We are open for all these people to come and talk to us and ask us questions, but the left won't do it. Taylor, do you have any have any thoughts in this in this discussion? I mean, I'm curious. You'd be a tiebreaker. I think you guys are kind of talking past each other. Um, like I don't know. I I think that yeah, you need to be able to. Uh, have conversations with people and that is ultimately how we you have any sort of functional society but I, mm -hmm. I i sympathize with the idea that many people on the radical left or the woke left um are so engrossed in their ideology that they're not interested in conversations and that really that at its core mm -hmm. is this sort of uh marxist religion that they're operating out of and it's all about power and it's all about i am you know it it's not about whether something's true or false it's about whether it helps me win and mm -hmm. so and then they're so they're morally consistent in that everything is organized by by helping me win. But I sympathize with what Amla's talking about because there are there are a lot of people who don't understand that they're under the influence of yep. that ideology um, and can still be reasoned with and can be talked off the off the ledge who are not entirely, um, you know, who are not knowingly um, you misconstruing things and just becoming uh, trying to advance this ideology, um, you know, and and consciously um, suppressing truth and consciously, uh, you know, trampling on all the values that we believe in. Mm -hmm. And that can you can maybe still reason with them. And I think right. that there we have to to leave room for that. On, we have to leave that on the table in some real way. Um, so but yeah, I, I also, agree with you because the right will have those debates. That's what I'm saying. Mm -hmm. But the left, in accordance, usually won't. I mean, look at our current administration. Who does he take questions from at his press conferences? What did what, Trump do? You, Trump you, took questions from everybody. You, the right is open to doing these things. The left does not want to do them. There's the obviously same way. an established pattern there, and I think there's obviously there's there's disparate outcomes, especially when it comes to leftists not wanting to have conversations. But I, I where I deviate is saying that all of them don't want to have conversations or saying, you know, like they're just incapable of having conversations or having debate because it closes the door. Of course, if I'm a leftist hearing that, I'm going, oh, of course, I'm not going to have a conversation with you. Of course, I'm not going to debate with you because you've already labeled me as somebody who doesn't want to have a conversation and doesn't want to debate. And as soon as you step into a room like that and you go, hey, guys, I understand what you believe. Can you tell me about that? Which is what I did with these high school students, what I did at the Winona State University protests. They do come forward and they do they do uh, have the discussion or at least ask questions. So I think when we label like that, it, it X's out the even possibility of having a conversation with these people. And one of the last times I said, hey, why don't you guys come have a conversation with me? They flipped tables and screamed at me. <laughs> you know, these people are animals. Some of these people are, these Black Lives Matter people who come to my event and flip tables and threaten children, they're thugs. That's what they are. And they are incapable of having a civil conversation. Even though I come in my speech and say, hey, I'm here to answer questions. I'm here to do this. I want to have the debate. I want to have the discussion. And they come in and act that way. The left is about leftism is about power. I can yeah. I can bet. Like that you can't say that leftism and conservatism is the same. They're just not. They no, they're not. The, they're not. Obviously, they're they're fundamentally different. But I think in a lot of ways, people are very much 
the same. A lot of the ways that we we function through the world, what we look for when we're having conversations with people, how we want to be understood by other people is pretty foundational to just being a human being. Uh, so if you operate through that lens rather than left versus right and you guys don't want to have a discussion, you know, I think you'll be more successful in operating through the lens of I want them to know that I'm trying to understand them and I want them to try to understand me. And I think that is just more effective in having the discussion that needs to be had and eventually find common ground, yeah. at least in my experience. No, I understand. But I feel like on a, on a whole level, everybody's like different. We, we understand. I feel like I understand leftism very well. I've been doing this for years, lots and lots of research. I understand leftism very well. Mm -hmm. I know how these people work and I know the ideas that they have before they say it. I mean, I've even just talking to people, I've talked to thousands and thousands of people out on the streets, debating them, asking them questions, all this kind of stuff. You know, I know how these people feel. Mm -hmm. And I know, like, it's, I want to have these discussions. Just so many of them just do not want to have them with me. Yeah, it's tough. It can, like, write you off. It can make you want to, like, not ever have conversations. It can make you, like, uh, very, very cynical. I just know. I don't know. I just always, I just remember what type of person I was. And I would have been that same exact person. It just took a specific way of somebody communicating me to, to break through it. Um, right. Yeah. No, that's exactly right. Yeah. Anyways, guys, uh, you. I guess there's a poll down below for who you agree with oh, is there? in this certain instant. I think I think Spencer put that down wow. in the comments below. Looks like 50-50. 50-50. There we wow. go. See, everybody's different. Everybody's I didn't know we different. had that many leftists watching this. <laughs> Jeez. It's just like two two completely separate approaches here. Uh, but yeah, let's juxtapose everything that's happening in Ottawa right now with Boris Johnson of the UK uh, ending almost every single COVID-19 restriction in England as of today. He did a massive press conference where he, where he said uh, something to the effect of, you know, we're over the hump of Omicron. We went through this massive surge. We took the impact of it all. And uh, now things are slowing down. Hospitalizations are slowing down. Deaths are slowing down. And here we are. So uh, they're letting go of uh, restrictions. I think they're also going to be at some point nixing out free testing, which the government has been offering to citizens in the UK, uh, basically saying it's time for life to start shifting back to normal. And, you That's know, great. yeah. You, you, we could sit here and criticize Boris Johnson uh, till our our face turns blue. But you know what? I'm just happy you were lifting restrictions. I'm over it. Yeah. <laughs> that seems to be the main purpose right now. That's what really matters. Yeah. Is people doing something that is good. And it I is. Can, I can look past other things if you just do some good things now. Right. You know, all I want is the vaccine requirements for international travel lifted in America. I don't care who does it. I don't yep. care who wants to take credit. Just do it. Just yep. please just do it. Just give us our lives back. You know, please. That's it. We just want our lives back. <laughs> I said this last week on the show. Right. It's a revolution of normal people. That's what this is all about. It really normal is. Normal people who understand what has happened and just want their lives back. It's all it is. Completely agree. Uh, now, let's talk President's Day. Uh, we've been talking about how today uh, is not technically President's Day. It's Washington's birthday. We did a segment on our show last Thursday for Throwback Thursday where we brought in our resident fact checker, Richard. And we talked about, I like how we just call him Richard. I don't even know if I know Richard's last name, but we just call him Richard. It's on the article you have pulled up right now. Lim. Oh, Lim. Richard Great job, Lim. Mama. <laughs> <laughs> I just call him our resident fact checker and historian, Richard. That's always what I've called him. He's uh, a great guy. So, yeah. Great guy. I think that's honestly, that might even be better than Richard Lim. <laughs> I would say so. I think it's more credence. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so uh, we want to talk about this Politico article that went out. And the title of the article is It's Time to Cancel President's Day. Now, before we get up and angry about it they're not necessarily saying that you know the presidents are all racist or whatever let's cancel let's take down their statues but it is something somewhat to that effect i'll read a, a few points here the problem with president's day or the problems with president's day are intertwined with the basic challenge of how americans uh, think about their history or really how the people of any country think about their national story there are two con conceptions of what it means to learn history always in tension with each other and sometimes in flat contradiction one conception the kind of history we start learning in elementary school is kind of a civic religion they say like real religion this brand of history relies on homilies or you know sermons and 
uh, things uh, to that effect. Stories are told to make a point, and the point is typically to highlight virtuous dimensions of national character. The story can feature setbacks and bad guys, but the good guys should win in the end with a patriotic lesson for the audience to carry away. The characters in this kind of story, in this kind of history, are marble statues. Uh, so basically, they're criticizing sort of the rose-colored lens that through which we view history. And that we label people uh, as heroes, maybe maybe insufficiently, maybe they shouldn't be labeled her- heroes. You hear this so often uh, in regard to the founding fathers. Oh, you say they're so heroic for this and that and the Revolutionary War and building a country based on a set of ideals that has never been created before, but slaves, but racism. Right. <laughs> that, this is exactly what critical theory is. Critical theory takes every single thing that is good and destroys it. Anything that has any sort of merits or anything that is good or has just even transpired, critical theory says, let's, let's find out how we can tear it apart and destroy it. It says nothing is true, nothing is sacred, nothing is really great historically. We just want to destroy it. And that's exactly what this is, leftist nonsense. It's coming in and saying, oh, just because someone did something bad, it discredits everything they do? Of course not. Right. And I, if, if that's the criticism, then no. But I think history does need nuance. So often we do go through history and we just paint it with this massive broad brush of like hero, villain, hero, villain, hero, villain, hero, villain. And it's because I think partially uh, it's, it's not sort of this malicious way that we were teaching young kids history. It's because there's so much to learn. And when you're in elementary school, you're going to touch what a thousand different historical figures. And the easiest way to touch on them is to either say they were a good person or a bad person. And that's so often the story that we get told. And I think most of the historical figures that we touch are pretty much always labeled as heroes. And it's a qualm that I had sort of researching into uh Martin Luther King Jr. You'll find that he was not the greatest man ever, at least not in his daily life and sort of things that he had done in his life that history had never had never looked at him for. Uh, and so much of what we teach lacks nuance. But I think it's just because we touch on these historical figures so briefly in our very long lifetimes uh, and we only get a certain picture of them painted for us. Well, it's like what's important about George Washington, the fact mm-hmm. that he uh what owned slaves or had slaves through his uh, through his marriage, know. father-in-law, yeah. or the fact that he was the first ruler in history to voluntarily mm-hmm. lay down power? Like, which one of these things is important to remember? One was the same of every other person at the time, and the other one was unique in all of human history. Ditto for like Christopher Columbus. What's unique about? Why do we need to uh, think about Christopher Columbus? Is it because he did? He maltreated some natives and did some uh, had slaves, or is it because he, for, uh, on behalf of Western civilization, discovered a whole new world? Mm-hmm. And that's why we remember these people because of their unique contributions to civilization, not because of the things that they did were that were the same as every other person at the time. And right. by the way, writer of this article, if you lived at this time, all in all probability, you would have owned slaves if you were mm-hmm. in the position to do so, and you're no morally better or different from anyone else who lived at that time. And I hope you don't have Michael Jackson on your Spotify playlist because you're a major <laughs> hypocrite if you do. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Taylor. Sorry, I just get tired right. of this stuff. No, I, I do, do too. It's yeah. the same with like uh, you know Barack Obama. Barack Obama did drugs. He admitted he did drugs while he was in college. Are you going to take his whole legacy from what he did while he was in college doing drugs or something? Also of course drone strike. You know, a lot of people. Oh yeah, but... drone strike. <laughs> <laughs> a terrible guy. Yeah. But you know, but I'm saying like you know, you look at the the overall picture of what someone did, and then you base on what you think is the most important about that person. There are things that are objectively more important about what someone did versus what they they might have also done like one of the most inspired some of the most inspiring stories you know something like uh we had that guy on uh americanos jesse you guys know i'm talking about and he was like he was like a gangbanger like all screwed up and then he radically transformed his life through god and and became like a conservative person started lexit latinos leaving the democrat party you know all this stuff and it's like what are you going to focus on are you going to focus on the bad stuff that he did or are you going to focus on the stuff that he is now trying to improve and do something better it's like if you are just looking at history that way through this, that type of lens, you're missing the whole point. You're missing what's actually important about what people are doing. Yeah. I mean, when you when you go through your life and you're left to the, the bounds of whatever history is a thousand years from now, I can't even imagine what that must be. Do you want that to be? Uh, do you want to be consolidated to the horrible things that you did in your life? I think not. And I think it's just uh, we give ourselves way more grace than we give other people. So we're so ready to to judge and, and uh, place our judgments upon other people. And it's especially easy when the people are not living it anymore <laughs> uh, so history tends to get most of the uh, most of the backlash here and uh, most of the impact 
yeah, it, I think what Taylor said is perfectly right, that most of these people, uh, the horrible things that we point to were horrible things of that time, not a singular thing. It wasn't like nobody owned slaves and George Washington was like, I want to own some slaves right now. I don't care what the rest of you guys are doing. I think slavery is great. <laughs> in fact, quite the opposite. So, yeah, and it's, we got into this with the Christopher Columbus debate as well. The, the thing that makes Christopher Columbus uh, a person to even be talked about is the fact that he stepped outside of the bounds of his time and did something so brave that no other man was willing to do it. And the men who came along with him on these journeys wanted to turn back halfway through. And he refused. So uh, that's what makes him a historical figure. Right. Yeah. When you're lying about history, you know, it's easy to do these things. Like, excuse me. I mean, even when you're just looking at like the, the percentage of people who even owned slaves at the time was incredibly low in America. There are more slaves now than there ever were back then. Most of the slaves were sent to the Caribbean for sugar plantations, not even in the States. Mm. I mean, indentured yep. servants from Ireland were treated worse than most African-American slaves by far. Because it's like you have a you're leasing a car versus versus buying a car. You're going to treat the lease car worse because you don't have to take care of it. I mean, there's all these different facts about slavery that people don't know. But you have a bad view of history. You don't get the real truth, and so then you make decisions like this. Yeah, but it's yeah, it's just so it's the case for for all things history, uh, and it, we we learned so so uh, little to what was actually happening at the time. So it's just, yeah, it requires so much nuance. I cannot stress it enough. It requires really a critical eye to really look into these things and delve into the lives of people. Most people wouldn't even know that George Washington was against slavery. Uh, and that's fine because I guess it's just how history gets told, uh, but uh, it needs to change. People just need to story. have more scope. <laughs> her story. Her story. Not, it's not yeah. history anymore. <laughs> it's her story. Their story. Um, before we move on, if you want to read an article about how it's not President's Day, it's Washington's birthday, written by our resident fact checker and historian Richard Lim. Lim. <laughs> now I'll add Lim at the end of it. Uh, you can go to real, real clear public, uh, public affairs dot com. Should be linked in the article. description too. Yeah, it'll be linked so in the description for out. you. Now, uh, I don't know how to pronounce this guy's name, but uh, Hidrolay Dio, maybe, uses AI to capture what historical figures would look like if they were modern people. So here are some pictures of historical figures uh, as real people in today's day and age. Here's George Washington. It's kind of like, it's kind of spooky how it looks so real. realistic these yeah. things look. I don't know. If, so is this just a random picture of a guy on the internet that AI just sort of surfs the internet to find the person who matches the face the most? No, I don't think it. Oh, no. I think it's like generated by AI. Um, so this but is I not a real it, person. It probably pulls from like real photos that okay. are out there, but then it like synthesizes faces and, and generates a face that, uh, that look. I mean, that's as well as I can guess. Right, right. That that know. would just be speculation. But there's George Washington. He looks pretty cool. Isn't that wild? <laughs> it's so wild. Here's a uh, Ben Franklin. This one doesn't look as impressive as the George Washington, but I'm still like, wow. Yeah, but if you look at the facial features and yes, stuff, the like, eyes, it's, it's kind of believable. It is. It is, is. that Chris Christie? <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. That's what it looks like. <laughs> this is what uh, Mona Lisa would look like in today's day and age. Mm. I mean, it's pretty accurate. I'm accurate. Mona Lisa looks like she would be yelling at me. At, you don't see what the big deal is. Mona Lisa look, looks like she would be yelling at me in a rouse for not wearing a mask. <laughs> oh, oh my gosh. Pull up your little scarf there, Mona. That's I'm not I'm going to make fun of these pictures just in case they are real people. It's not a real person. No, I, I do, real you don't people. know this. That looks but like a real person. Seriously, to me. if this was overrated, underrated, I would say Mona Lisa's overrated. Agreed. Yeah. Like, what's so great about it? The painting itself is, is overrated. Here's Napoleon Bonaparte. Napoleon looks like. The guy on the right looks like he's going to call me and tell me what's wrong with my internet. <laughs> yeah, he looks like a, I yeah, was gonna an say IT, IT guy. Yeah, exactly. I was going to say saying. IT, definitely. You know? That's what yeah. he looks like. Or like Napoleon Dynamite's brother, Kip. He yeah, yeah. For, for some reason. <laughs> yeah. Uh, here's the Statue of Liberty. Statue of Liberty's hot. Okay. Yeah. I figured you guys would be feeling this one. She's hot. Sorry, Taylor's wife. Will, are you carrying a torch for her? <sighs> wow. She's turning me green. <laughs> What? I don't know. Okay, moving uh, on. Uh, moving on. That one's a little bit of a stretch, honestly, but I, I guess I kind of see it. I can see it. The, the nose and uh, the eyebrows, definitely. Uh -huh. I don't know. The lips, too. Okay, next. Da Leonardo da Vinci. This one's kind of crazy. This one's cool. It's believable. But it's, it's very believable. Very it's like one of the grandpas that plays chess in the park. <laughs> oh, that's so adorable. <laughs> oh, 
I hope I'm like that when he I'm old. He works at the Italian restaurant. <laughs> <laughs> uh, here's Mozart. This one's kind of creepy. Yeah. yeah it's a little too real. A little too real. Yeah, this one real. freaks me out. He looks like... His not, eyes are just piercing. Good. He looks like not healthy. Like What do you product. mean not healthy? What's Look wrong? At him. He's like, he looks like a normal guy to me. He looks sickly. Which he was, I think. Wasn't Mozart? Didn't he die young? He was. Very young? Yeah. yeah. He was a sick man. He does not look okay. It's wow, crazy. It shows up Taylor. even in the AI image through his painting. Wow. Next Do you one. agree? I mean, I don't I, know. Yeah. I, I think Beethoven like... just looks like an e-boy. Bruh. Beethoven's hot. Beethoven. No. Look how many more likes Beethoven's picture well, has I'm than sure some of the other ones. Well, I'm sure he has a lot, but... Mm-hmm. He's got fans. Because he looks like an e-boy. This guy. Right. Definitely right. looks like an e-boy. Um, He's a good looking guy. Okay. I can see it. Uh, Newton. Newton's good looking to me. Yeah, but have you seen Beethoven? <laughs> I think yeah. Newton's better looking than Beethoven. No way. Yeah, huh? No, look at that weird jaw. <laughs> What's wrong with this? It's a really jaw? big nose. Yeah, what? the nose is too, too big for the. No, eyes you guys face. are haters. Jaw he looks, looks like he's got a huge thing. He looks very, uh, very cheek. statuesque. You know. Yeah. No, so he's, he's a good got, looking guy. He looks kind of like a Neanderthal. Head's too big, which is yeah, probably because of his brain. Okay, Spencer, make he's a poll. Got this huge. Who's looking better? Wow. Beethoven or wait, was it Beethoven or Mozart? Go back to Beethoven real quick. Oh man, I I lost it. You can't go back. Wait, hold on. Of course, on. Beethoven's. Beethoven or Newton? Actually, on second on my second look, it wasn't as great. It's Newton. Newton's looking no, better. Almost no. Team Newton. Spencer, hop on. Well, I'm hop on this Pete poll. Davidson is cute, so I, okay. Don't, I don't really trust I, her evaluation of men's looks. I didn't say like he was super cute or something like that. Honestly, wow. neither one of these good. This guy right this here, he's the looker. Shakespeare boy. This he looks not good. Shakespeare. No, he, uh, you do you not don't want have to look to, at that guy's internet history. Wow. You don't yeah. have to look good when you write the best romances of all time. <laughs> oh, well. <laughs> you know? Now we know why he was always in fantasy land. I know. <sighs> wow. Van Gogh looks like a washed up actor. You're skipping ahead, Will. Okay, so Spencer no, put just the poll out. You guys vote Beethoven or Newton, and it better be Newton because you guys know what's up. Uh, next one's Van Gogh. Yeah. He looks pretty cool. No. He looks like he's going to sing me a, sh- a sea shanty. He looks like a con man. Yeah, he kind of does look like a man. Like, he looks like a gambler. Like he's been he's seen some time behind bars, uh-huh. if you know what I yeah. mean. Yeah, uh-huh, but he's trying to get back on the right foot. See his long lost daughter lives in, exactly. in the Midwest. Oh yeah. wow, he's not allowed to, to see. But they, they call him back for one last job. Uh-huh. <laughs> his wife's been remarried. <laughs> he's out for revenge. Oh, you guys have very Take vivid imaginations. Right. No, this is what he is. Wow, that's really good. Are you guys crying over this va- uh, this Van Gogh tale that Taylor and Will just told? Uh, Henry VIII. Oh, oh jeez! Another, another one. Yeah, you guys are look, so mean. Looks like a he sex looks like predator. Spanish. <laughs> he doesn't look like he doesn't look white. He looks very scary. You guys are not very oh, nice. No, he does look very scary. He's got a what is it? Heterochromia, where your eyes are different colors. Oh, hmm. I just noticed that. Maybe because in the painting, there's two different colors for the eyes. Uh, here's Marie Antoinette. Uh, you know, just looks accurate. Just looks me. like a HR department lady. <laughs> <laughs> Someone who works in the I HR don't, department. Uh, you guys are like roasting. Yeah. Okay. I do marketing. Oh, let's see how you guys feel about Cleopatra. Did you Gorgeous. want whole milk or 2%? Gorgeous. Uh, Definitely like Egyptian looking features. Yeah. Don't like the hair. You don't like the hair? No. You don't like short haired girls? No. No. Wow. I was expecting like a, oh, it's all right, but it just, no. No. I'm look sorry like, to all the short-haired girls in the chat. Look like Ellen DeGeneres. <laughs> you know? Moving on. Wow. Long hair. Well, Long hair. Caesar. <laughs> Went in Rome. Caesar. I'm about Just to... Just looks like if you Google, like, seize, CEO. Seize her financial assets. I mean, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> oh, wow. This one's pretty cool. This is pretty cool. It's pretty accurate. Or at least seems very accurate. I wish they would just put him in, like, Roman garb so you could I see know, what he would look I'm like. And I don't like, want to see him in, like, a, a business suit. <laughs> if Caesar worked on Wall off, Street. Yeah, if Caesar worked at Office Depot as a manager. If Caesar was the little the CEO of a pizza company yeah. called Little Caesars. <laughs> <laughs> Last one. Alexander the Great. Hot and ready, $5. Alexander the Great. This one's good. Okay, this is the new best-looking one. No. No, he looks like he works at Starbucks, but is trying to start a band here in L.A. <laughs> he looks like a struggling actor. Yeah. yeah. Oh, he's my gosh. A, wait, a waiter, for sure. A for sure waiter. Yeah. I think he's looks like an That's e-boy. A good looking dude. He looks wow. like an e-boy. Didn't Alexander have My some roommate weird... would be into this one. Beethoven's the best. Team Beethoven. Team He's got Beethoven. much more, like, masculine features. This guy looks kind of... 
Feminine. Feminized. Okay. Right. We're right. going to move on, kids. Okay. I know you like roasting the uh, AI pictures. This <laughs> one we're going to answer really quickly. What's the greatest Little Debbie product of all time? This was put out by Barstool Sports. Uh, you guys can answer down so. in the comments below. I don't eat Little Debbie anymore. If you had asked me this when I was like seven, I would have said Swiss rolls or cosmic brownies. Those were both disgusting. Um, but now I will not touch Little Debbie products. They're just kind of, they're so gross. It's like when you eat them, it, it, like it tastes like you're just eating wax, sugary wax. Yeah, it's what Little know. Debbie's taste like to me. It's all fake. I don't need it. So what did you like when you were a kid though? Zebra cake. <laughs> I like how you answered so yeah, no, quickly. He was, like, he was like, oh, this is all horrible. I never eat a zebra cake. <laughs> zebra cake. Zebra, I liked, that's listen, what this I liked is zebra about. Cakes as a kid. You as can a kid, I like zebra This cake. can evoke your childhood joy. That's what it's supposed to do. Right. I'd kill for a zebra cake right now. Kill. Just to try it. I like the Ugh. Christmas trees because they're like they're like Those the zebra okay. cakes, but they had like a holiday flair on them. Yeah. But I was actually, my favorite one's not on here, and that was fudge rounds. I love fudge rounds. I don't know. Do Never they have Star Crunch on here too? They don't no. have Star Crunch either. Yeah. I this, used to like Star Crunches too. Them are rookie numbers. Them's are rookie numbers. I think the only one I ever ate was a zebra cake. <sighs> so. You've had a oatmeal cream pie in your day. Yeah, don't. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> no, I think I've had one. Okay, whatever, Will. Uh, uh, cosmic brownies or Swiss I'm rolls. I'm also 12 years old. You're also 12 years old. So. Uh, now we're going to move into Dear Will and I'm Alive. And where Will is 12 years old, Katie's 14 years old, and she's got a question for us. So okay, Dear Will Katie. and Amala from Katie. I'm 14 and I'm homeschooled. I'm in a group of girls uh, from my church that I meet every Sunday night for Bible study. There are nine of us all together and I'm the only one who's homeschooled. They pretty much only gossip about people in their schools who I don't know and they like to compare themselves to people on social media. I don't know what to say when this happens so I usually just stay quiet. Do you have any advice, Katie? Hi, Katie. I think that you don't need to talk about people in their schools and you don't need to talk about people on social media and you should be content with the fact that you are a different type of person and you have your own things that you like and focus on and not worry about other people's opinions and the things that they discuss among themselves. Taylor. Yeah. Uh, you, yeah, you can't change human nature. And if these are the type of people, I mean, if these are the type of people that you find yourself around and all they're interested in, in talking about is, uh, sorry, Alma, you're on camera still. We have the multiple view. Okay. <laughs> Grabbing the doll. This is what Katie made me. Oh, yeah. Oh, wow. This is my girl, Katie. It, made the, Katie. it permanently made your set. <laughs> yeah, it's permanently on the set, Katie. So good job. No, continue your answer, Taylor. Um, yeah, I mean, you, you can't always control the type of people that you're around. And it's unfortunate that this is like a, a, a setting where you should be studying the Bible ostensibly and talking about the deeper things in life. And all you're getting is a bunch of gossip. But, you know, you can't control the what what people decide to fill their time with. And there are always going to be people that... Um, can only live in that realm and you just got to rise above kind of like Will was saying and, and you know, you don't have to descend to their level, but uh, uh, stay on yours. takes a lot of grit to not worry about these things that other people want. It takes a lot of time and it's hard, but it's a, it's right. It's the thing to do. Don't worry about what all these people are doing. Worry about what you're doing. Yeah, and it's, it's a lonely road sometimes like doing the right thing and not stooping and not getting bogged down in, in, the dumb stuff that people occupy themselves with and and but that's okay you know you're you can be made stronger and better for it and you know uh we talk about adversity and how that has a refining effect on you and and you'll be better for it in the long run if you if you stay out of the mud yeah right the fact that you're even asking the question shows you're on the right track just like you know agreed you're doing all right kid everything's gonna be fine <laughs> in the end it's gonna in be like fine five years you're gonna be like who yeah, yeah. It's like, <laughs> the stuff that feels like the biggest deal in the world when you're young like in, in high school i'm not trying to belittle anything but like right right you as you grow up you're like you know what that wasn't that big a deal the world's much bigger and and the sooner you realize that and the, the sooner you're focusing on the bigger picture and and the longer term things the better if i yeah. take one more step be the farthest away from home i've ever been <laughs> and thank you for the little doll katie Staying, staying on the set here. Next one is from Max Andre one He says, how can I escape the friend zone? Just kiss her. <sighs> I said it first. Yeah, you did say it first. You beat Will to it. Sorry, Max. I have a not good answer. A not, a not fun answer for this one. You kind of can't. Uh, and any, any effort that you make to try to quote unquote escape the friend zone is probably the worst possible thing that you can do. The best thing that you can do 
is actually the same advice for Katie. Just continue to live your normal life and do you and be the person that you're going to be. And you will find a female, because I'm assuming that you are male, uh, who would never even dream of putting you in the friend zone and is going to want you more than they want anybody else. And that is the person that you want. Be a man. What does that even mean? You know what it means. What does that mean? <laughs> means there's a reason why most guys get put into the friend zone. So you're saying that he can get out of the friend zone by being a man? Yeah. For sure. I completely disagree, but Taylor. <laughs> I, I kind of agree with Will. What? Yeah. You could, the ratio of the men. The reason you get put in the friend zone is like because you're a simp and you're too friendly with people for generally. Or she's just not or, attracted to oh, you. Or she's just not. That's not friend zone. But... Yeah, you can That's be friends like with people not you're not attracted to. Yeah, but friend zone sounds like oh, I'm just making this person my friend because I don't want them romantically. Friend zone is I don't want to date you for whatever reason. I don't want to date you, but you're not a bad person, so you can be my friend. Dropper. Oh be a man dropper yeah, and i mean if, that, if that's the case and i mean what you know it's it's either like level up and stop simping and level up or yeah move on yeah. which is kind of how you level up anyway i just don't know why you would ever want a woman who doesn't want you the way that you want her even if you did get out of a friend zone it, she doesn't want you for who you actually are as a person why would you want somebody like that? What, well, you're gonna, because like, maybe you're not. It's like uh, maybe you're not the best person. If maybe you guys you need watch, to change a little bit. <laughs> maybe you're a simp. Yeah, you maybe you're a stop. simp, and it's like good to change. Oh you know, gosh. it's a good lesson for men. Oh my goodness! People shouldn't just accept you the way you are. Agreed. <laughs> Agreed. I. That's like not a joke. That's hundred percent. You guys are pulling though. Like, have you ever guys? Have you guys seen um, How I Met Your Mother? No. Barney Stinson. No, no. He's like in love with this girl and he like writes her songs and all this stuff and she's like, I don't like you and he gets taken she gets taken from her him by like this guy in a suit who's got a Roth IRA. So then he like goes and gets a suit and now he like womanizes all these girls because suddenly he gets all of these because he's a man. That's what it sounds like. I you're think saying. we're thinking of two different things. <laughs> <laughs> I hope we're thinking of two different things because I hope that is not the advice. Honestly, I assume you're not that bad of a person. There's just a reason that people, women are disinterested or this particular woman is disinterested. And then people set their sights on somebody and they idealize somebody and they want, I want this one and I don't want any other ones. And Nine times out of 10, it doesn't happen. Like you don't always get the one person that you want in this life. And then you find somebody else who wants you just as much as, you want them, and it works out. Yeah. But I guess be a man. Be a man. Be a man. <laughs> you know what it means. Your lips are cracked. Don't put on chapstick. That's be a exactly man. That's exactly right. It's cold outside. Don't put on a jacket. Be, be a, a man. man. Okay. Sorry, Max. <laughs> Helen Pasick says, how do I get out of a life rut? That's the question. Okay. How have you gotten out of life ruts in the past? Don't know what type of life right you're talking about. It could be anything. Exactly. But for me, mine is faith in God and strengthening my faith in God, reading the Bible, praying. Uh, and this is more recent for me too. Definitely more recent for me. And knowing that, you know, these things are under control. It's easy to think about the future and all this kind of stuff and, and think that the world's just spiraling and everything's so bad and your life sucks and everything's terrible, but... You got to just know that things will get better and, and put your faith in him and things will work out. Mm. How to get out of a life rut. Uh, you know, my immediate answer to this was just like, find your silver lining, find something to be passionate about and that will get you through it. And then, uh, I was talking to my boyfriend about this and he goes, you know, find something, find adversity, find something uh, to overcome, make yourself uncomfortable in a way that, you know, you have to fight through something and you have to uh, seek passion through that fight out of adversity. And I think that is the best way to get out of a life. I think that in all the times in my life where I've been like, ooh, things are not going so well right now, or you feel depressed, or you feel down about something, you find something like a piece of adversity, whether that's like a new project or, or something that you want to overcome in yourself or a way that you want to make yourself better. Uh, or just a way that you want to like add something to your regimen every single day that makes you uncomfortable because you're not used to doing it. And the focus that you put into that and the drive that you put into that takes you out of whatever it is that you are focusing on. Also been listening to like a lot of, a lot of Alan Watts recently and how life is really, 
uh, less of a journey, but more of a you being in the moment that you're in. And a lot of people just view life as like these different cyclical phases that they go through where things are up and things are down, but it's all to get to this one place in the end. And life is really not about that at all. It's just about being in the moment that you're in and making the best out of the moment that you're in. And I think once you understand that about your life and sort of remind yourself of that on a day-to-day basis, that can make quote unquote ruts uh, easier to get through. If you are in a rut, embrace the rut. Don't put run away from the rut. Don't push the rut away. Take the rut and make it a part of you. Embrace the suffering. Embrace what's happening to you and use it to be better. Yep. Taylor? That old saying, if you're going through hell, keep going. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I, I agree with both you guys. Um, it's, you know, at the at the bottom of what makes me, keeps me ticking is the same thing Will's talking about. You know, I, I when I have to dig deep and find encouragement and find a reason to keep going, that's, that's where it is. And, uh, you know, but at the same time, there's a lot of practical things you can do. You can talk it out with people. Um, you can um, stop being so inwardly focused and start to get involved with volunteering in some capacity mm-hmm. or making sure that you are progressing toward your, your goals and making sure that the obstacles that you're facing now um, are things that you actually, that should be, um, that are that are things that you should be worried about and, th- and overcoming and not just distractions and not just things that are, are dead weight to, to your journey and, and where you're trying to go. And uh, yeah, so, I mean, I, I think, you know, it's a lot of times looking inward and you can just spend so much time just stewing on, on things and it doesn't uh, produce great outcomes um, and make you better. But a lot of times just getting out of yourself and, and getting involved in some other people, helping helping people um, and talking things out can really, you know, get you out of that lock. Yeah. Oh, and doing, waking up in the morning and doing like, how many nice things can I do for other people that have nothing to do with myself today? That's like such a, a great way to get out of uh, a rut uh, for, for multiple reasons. One, because it's sort of a recognition that everybody else is going through their own journey too. And some of them might be harder than yours and reconciling that it makes uh, going through a life rut a lot easier and sort of saying like, oh, well, people have it harder than me. Secondly, waking up and trying to see how much positivity can I admit into the world today, whether that's through just like walking past somebody and saying, I really like your, your shirt today, or I really like the way your hair looks or just giving somebody a random compliment or, or making somebody something you recognize how much good a singular person can do just by making that the for their the focus of their day and that helps it shows like how how powerful you are as just a, a singular being in this world and what you can accomplish on this day when you choose to look at the world through that lens rather than the lens of whatever rut you are in next one dear will and amala What should I, male 23, do about my girlfriend, female 22, of almost four years, not making herself able to commit to more than a long-distance relationship? Not even a visit, maybe once or twice a year. She's in school in California, and I'm a plumber in Colorado. I've told her I'm willing to do whatever it takes, but would really much rather her come study closer to me. This is from at Bountis713. I thought the relationship questions were last week. No, we're getting relationship questions this week as well. We gotta do more of the political ones. Well, it's we don't get political ones. ones. What asking about long distance relationship? Mm-hmm. I don't know. I feel like we answered this one before. Um, this is somebody who doesn't, who he's trying to get to come and visit him, and once or twice a year, and she's not committing to that. Uh, and they've been in this relationship for four years, and he says he's willing to do whatever it takes, but would want her to come closer. What does he do in this situation? I guess just break up with her. I don't know. <laughs> Taylor. <laughs> I mean, it's tough if you're if you're in, if it's California to Colorado is not that far, mm-hmm. and like you're you know it's a fast plane ride from Denver to here. Will does it all the time. Two hours. Two hours. Uh, so if you can't find more than two times a year to see the person that mm-hmm. you are so solely committed to in relationship, that's something's not doesn't feel quite right about that. Mm-hmm. Um, if it's not worth one party's while to try to make more of an effort than that, then that that just feels dysfunctional and i i don't know i wouldn't be able to be in a relationship like that doesn't feel like there's enough uh commitment there to to want to make things work now i I caveat i don't know the circumstances Mm -hmm. that you guys have and maybe there's something i'm not seeing but uh that that's 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 tough man 
Yeah, I'm sure there's a lot of stuff that's not being obviously communicated through this, but I think it's worth a, a, a deep discussion <laughs> with the two parties about what you want out of a relationship, what your needs are in a relationship, and whether or not those things can be met. And if the person contributes more to your life, uh, being in long distance and you can deal with her not coming to visit you or not wanting to live closer, then you stay in the relationship. And if you can't, then uh, that's a discussion that you guys have and you figure out and you uh, move on from and move forth. Yeah, Nick, we talked we talked about this uh, about the last time we talked about long distance relationships. I don't think there's any hard and fast rule that like, oh, they can work if you do X or they can, they never work or anything like that. I think it's mm-hmm. really dependent on the people involved and the, the 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 role that the like just where y'all are at in your journeys and everything. And like all of us, I think in this room have had long distance relationships or have some element of it now. I was apart from my wife for a period before we got married, and mm-hmm. you know, it's it's something you can overcome, but stuff like this just feels like something doesn't quite feel right. Exactly. So that's our advice for you guys. That ends our Dear Will Anomala segment, thus ending the show for Monday. Guys, thank you so much for watching. Please like, subscribe, click the notification bell to be notified every single day when we go live. That's 2.30 Pacific, 5.30 Eastern. And do that all on the Will and Amala live channel. You can type it in on YouTube. It's also in the description down below if you're watching on the PragerU channel. Also, if you guys want to listen to this at a later date, go to Spotify, Google Play, or Apple Podcasts. Follow us on there. Leave us a five-star review so that everybody knows you love the podcast. We know that you love the podcast. And we'll be back tomorrow with a special guest. Mrs. Marissa Streit is going to be on our show, the CEO of Prager U. So we will see you guys tomorrow. The woman behind it all. Yeah. See you guys tomorrow. Bye. Peace.